Just be quiet long enough to where you either appear like you have no clue what's going on or people just think you're super smart and don't want to get included on it. Have you ever thought to yourself, I could write a book on that? Knowing you have great stories, but also accepting you'll probably never write it. But now you can join us, a couple of regular guys telling our stories and hoping you'll share yours. My name is Derek, my co-host is Mark, and this is I Could Write a Book. Yo, everybody, welcome to book five of the I Could Write a Book podcast. Of course, I'm Mark, and I'm here with my buddy, Derek. What's going on, man? How you doing? Doing good, man. How is life treating you? Eh, oh man, it's all right. It's okay. I've been looking forward to this podcast so much because we got confirmation of our first guest. Yes, and uh, we we went through. Uh, we actually had um, a few different people that we considered, but we have officially uh, gotten Rick, the man, your dad, one of the most introspective. Uh, one of the most interesting people uh, that I, I have I've spoken to. Uh, so, I mean, I love this guy. He's just been uh, fantastic. So, I mean, there's a little bit of bias, you know, with uh, with knowing him. But man, I, I got to tell you, he's just one of the most interesting guys that I've ever been able to talk to. So I'm excited to have him on. Yeah, I am, too. Um the man raised me, so there a lot of a lot of the things that he may talk about are things that I'm sure he's he's talked with me about before, you know. But maybe he'll share something new that I haven't heard before. And knowing him, he probably will. So I'm really excited about this. Let's uh, let's get him in here. Let's get let's let's talk to him, Dad. Before you got on the show, we were kind of bouncing in the whole I could write a book podcast and and what it's all about off of you and and we wanted to give you a chance to really think about what you could write a book on and leading up to this this podcast episode you you talked a lot about perspective before we deep dive into that first just wanted to see how you doing how's life treating you retired old goat and loving my recliner that's pretty much it you know living the good life <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it gives me a lot of time to, you know, reminisce on the past and stuff and things I've learned in my life and the experiences I've gone through and the different perspectives that I've experienced. And that's why I think this is a great topic for us to talk about. We could almost make a series out of it if you wanted to. Yeah. And Derek, you were you were talking a lot about how much this particular topic excited you and resonated with you. Tell tell us, Derek. Like, what are your, what are your some of your initial thoughts about the topic of perspective? And I could write a book on perspective. Man, I I just I feel like it's it it rolls so much into uh, what we spoke about on our previous pod. You know, just the different things that you and I things that you wonder about, but we but you really don't know about, right? So even on perspective, some of these things that we're thinking about here. I mean, just just look back at what we were talking about. The universe. People have such different perspectives on not just why is it here, but you look up at the night sky and you're just like, what is your perspective on different things? And and your dad, uh, Rick, has just he's always had such an interesting perspective to me. I, I really would love a whole series with him. Um, just you know, every every few weeks or so, just you know, that reoccurring segment about his perspective. Uh, it's just 
he's he's always just it's such an interesting man and so I'm so happy that he agreed to to jump on here with us but one of those topics was that perspective of you know we talked a lot about the universe uh you know in that last in our last pod so from from your perspective Rick you know when you're looking up at the night sky right I, I would love to get cuz cuz people heard our perspective and the things that we think about so I would love for you to share like what you think about as you do that and you just sit there and do, do you reflect? Do you think about what's going on out there? You know, what is your perspective like when you're just sitting there looking up at that nice guy? Thank you for asking that, Derek, because that's pretty meaningful to me. Um, I'm cosmic like you are, obviously. <laughs> and uh, the word infinity kind of describes it and how we regain perspective. And to me, perspective, if we have to boil it down into two words, I can define it with two words, really. To me, perspective is your emotional location, where you're at emotionally right now. You know, because you could, your emotional location or your perspective is so hugely affected by recent experiences in your life and and it can you know you can have a bad day murphy could be messing with you by murphy i mean murphy's law what can go wrong will go wrong (laughs) and murphy likes to screw with you all day long sometimes and for me it's a huge sanctuary to just be able to step outside in the open air especially at night and just be able to you know just calm myself down and look up at the sky and ponder the vastness of it. And it helps me kind of jerk myself back into a perspective or an emotional location where the things that were really tearing me up that day suddenly don't mean that much. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so that's what it is. That's That's why I do it. And I recommend it to anyone. <laughs> that's deep and 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 i, th- I think emotional location wow. yeah I, d- describing the emotional side of perspective is something that I, i'll say that it's not something i think of right away when i think of perspective but then when when i hear you say that it definitely relates in per, in when we're talking about perspective i mean you could be you know you talk about being happy or upset like it, you, you come home from just as an example, like there, you know, I'll use myself an example. Like I, I could come home from a rough day at work and, you know, sometimes the last thing I want when I come home from a rough day at work is to, to talk to anybody, right? Like I kind of want to have some time to myself to just kind of like get my mind off of work. Right. And, you know, I could have a family member that comes up to me and wants to talk to me or I could have my daughter that wants to come up to me and play with me. And, and I've got myself in such an, um, in a bad place emotionally that the perspective of the situation is like, uh, like I just, I just need some time to myself. I just want to distance myself. And, but I don't really think about because my perspective of that situation, you know, is driven emotionally that I'm not thinking about you know, I, I could I could spend quality time with my family and talk to my family and, and push aside these bad feelings of a bad day at work. But then 
we we talk about the different end of this and I could have a great day at work, right? Or anybody out there could have a great day at work and come home. And that feeling of like your, your child, you know, or whoever, your daughter, like my daughter running up to me, excited to see me perspective is different. I just had a great day at work and, and my little girl's running up to me and it's just like the, the greatest moment ever. And it feels so good and just so much love. And so when you think for me, like when you talked about an emotion, when it comes to perspective, like that's where my mind went and so many aspects of life where that kind of stuff happens. You just went exactly where I was wanting to go next, which is, which is kind of cool because exact minds think alike. <laughs> you mentioned how life alters our perspective because our perspective affects our perception of things. And sometimes when life alters our perspective, it distorts our perception of things happening around us. You know, like you said, if you have a bad day, Murphy's Law is messing with you, puts you in an emotional location where your perception of those around you is distorted by your altered perspective of what just happened to you all day long. You could mm -hmm. have a rotten day where everything you tried went wrong, and then you're finally happy to get out of work and driving home and you're catching every red light all the way home, you know? <laughs> and, and you're just like, it's just adding to that. And Murphy's Law is just hanging on your back. <laughs> and then when you finally get home, your emotional location is so out of sync with those around you. And the example you gave, you know, your wife and daughter may be sitting on the porch excited to see daddy come home. Their emotional location is just like happy to see you. They're all fired up, ready to see you. Your emotional location is so out of sync with theirs. When you get out of the car, you know, and you start walking up to the house, you know, you're just in this distorted emotional location where it puts you in a, a mood of defensiveness and even um, adversarial type of mood. And imagine yourself walking up to your house in that mood and you just happen to trip and stumble and fall on your face in the front yard. What are the girls going to do? They're going to laugh because yeah. they're, in a, they're in a happy emotional location. What are you going to do? You're going to get pissed off and you're probably going to stomp past them and say, get out of my face. You're going to go and try to find a place where you can just be by yourself and stew for a while. And you're totally oblivious to their emotional location. They're in a place where they want to have some fun and you're in a place where you don't want fun to be a part of your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so, Emotional location is the perspective that affects your perception of things around you. And that's that's kind of the point I'm trying to get at with this. You know, I, I think about a different example of this, and it's not just in those, you know, in our daily life, maybe at home, but you mentioned the work part of this thing. So th there's an example of how people's perspective changes that I go through constantly in my workplace, and it'll be something like this. You know, I have somebody and somebody who works with me, uh, an employee, a team member, they'll be so frustrated. They'll be stressed out about something. And what will ha what, what happens is, is that all of a sudden I catch wind that they're blaming me for certain things that are happening to them. And that is their current perception. 
But how did that become their perception? It was probably because most of the time what I found is that it's things at home that have gone wrong that has caused them not to be able to do the things at work that they need to do. And then because of that, maybe they get behind a little bit. And then I am the one that has to remind them to do something or to get something done. And now all of a sudden they feel like they're being hounded by me. And all of a sudden it's my fault that work is so stressful. All of a sudden it's my fault that work is behind. And it just has become their, their perception has become and their perspective has become distorted about what's really happening in their lives. You know, whose fault something really is when, when a lot of times it's, it's their own fault many times because they've allowed um, their perspective to be changed by their situation that they're in. And now all of a sudden, you know, their perspective and, and their opinion is that, you know, hey, it's my fault that they're stressed out and that they're behind. And now all of a sudden I'm on their back, right? So it's like not only our perception and perspective on things, you know, it's when I look at how other people's perspective is towards me and I'm, and I, and I, I have to first think to myself, did I do, did I do something to cause that? Cause I don't want to upset people in that way. But at the same time, you know, how did it become that they're, they're, they had, it's become so distorted that now somehow they're taking it out on me, blaming me for everything that's gone wrong. It's just that their perception has been warped and now that their perspective has been warped on things. So that, that example is, you know, so good in that many times we just, we take things out on other people when we shouldn't just because of uh, what's happening, our perspective on the moment, how we're feeling, how they're feeling and how both things are totally different. So yeah, it's, it's just interesting to me. And that's just something that you know, I, I, I get to go through on a, consistent basis. And it's just so interesting how those things can change and how people react so differently. And so, you know, I, I just say it's, you know, from that point to one other point, the difference between glass half full people and glass half empty people. I mean, you guys can tell me, I mean, that's just such so vastly different, right? Out in the world, Glass half full people versus glass half empty people. I mean, that just sometimes the differences are so mind blowing on how they react to situations. I was literally thinking the same thing earlier. You know, we were talking about great minds think alike. It sounds like we have a trifecta here because I had that written down like five minutes ago while <laughs> we were talking about club, this. Guys. I'll bring the club down. Okay. I, 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 I got no, my- no, no. <laughs> I'm very much in that mindset. I'm very much that person that says, I want to sit back. I'll have the appearance of being uh, stupid rather than opening my mouth and proving it, which uh, I think is something that uh, that our, that Rick, your, your dad here, has also probably said in the past. Uh, pretty sure I, I know that he has said those words, and I can promise you, I have built nearly every social aspect of my life on that exact thing. Just be quiet long enough to where you either appear like you have no clue what's going on. Or people just think you're super smart and don't want to get included on it. But it, it, anyway, don't include me in your group because I will only bring it down, bud. No. <laughs> Derek, you mentioned some points. Um, and really, I mean, you were right on the right on the button on a, on a few things. And the point of this thing about perspective and perceptions. 
and I don't want to get ahead of myself because I want this conversation to progress into, I want to explore how we screw up our perceptions and our perspectives, but I also want to eventually get to the point where how we take care of that, you know, and, and so, you know, what it boils down to is trying to get a grip on your values and every Every person who wants to do the best they can do and be the best they can be, they have to rely on their values and they have to revisit their values because your values are who you are, or at least they're who you want to be. And the hard part is busting free of that distorted, you know, perception and, and just get out and, and make sure and come back home to your values and reevaluate yourself and your values. And and do a self-assessment on how did I just behave? And is that the way I want to behave? Is that the way I should behave? And that's how you break free. And you got to stick to your values, revisit your values. Sometimes you have to change your values, but your values are who you are. It, you know, it, you bring something up there, and I just wonder, um, you know, how sometimes do we, when we're in that emotional state and our perspective is so distorted, and and sometimes people just they can't get that perspective back that they could be wrong in any way. Is there some type of thing that you found that helps you get back to that, to, that really makes you sit back and think about it? Because I think for some people, it's probably hard to sit back and think about that and think about somebody else's perspective on things. I'd have to say that my most valuable asset that I have internally is my ability to see the humor in things. And you got to be careful with that. I mean, that's a gift. If if a person can find humor in something, no matter how rotten, <laughs> whatever has happened, if you can chisel through that and find a little piece of humor in it and just sit there and enjoy it. Because when you're in the emotional location of FML, <laughs> it's it's hard. It's hard to chisel into that little pearl of humor that will rescue you. And if you've got the ability to find humor in something and laugh about it, but you mentioned something else, emotional location is not just internal, it's external. You have to be aware of the emotional location of the people you're interacting with, you know, because sometimes I'll resort to humor and I'll throw it out at somebody but they're not in the emotional location to receive it. They're in the emotional location of FML now, you know. And sometimes and you got to read the got to read the room. And, sometimes and humor is the last thing they want, <laughs> even though your intentions are honorable. I've gone through many situations where I just because it's my nature to try to lighten up the situation with some humor that I've almost offended some people. You know, because they weren't ready to receive it. And so when you're interacting with people, the first thing you need to do is converse with them in such a way that you're trying to draw out where they're coming from. What kind of an emotional location are they in? That way you can either empathize with them. And sometimes these people that are hurting, they don't want to hear anybody else talking about their problems. They want 
other people to hear about their problems. They want you to just shut up and listen, you know? And so that's the best thing to do sometimes is just shut up, acknowledge, empathize and say things like, Oh no shit. Really? That sucks. You know? And, and then, you know, just let them get it out until they reach that point where they're okay now. And then you can sneak in a little humor and you're both in the same emotional location where you can laugh. And then they recover and you recover. And that's where humor is most valuable. I would also like to share something that you always taught me, dad. And I actually like also had it preached to me later in life, like in my, in my career, talking about finding the root cause of things and, you know, having this, you know, topic of perspective and, and our emotions being involved in it. And sometimes it's, when you, when you want to fix it, and I don't always remember to do this, but, you know, asking that, that question of why, you know, why, why do I feel this way? And the five whys. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and Derek, I know you've had to have heard this before too, you know, like, you know, you have to go to your example that you were having earlier, you have, you know, somebody that works for you and, and things are in shambles around them and, you know, getting that person, you know, of course their perspective isn't thinking about this always. And I'll be the first one to say that, you know, when I'm in a bad state that I'd always think to ask myself, okay, why am I in this state? So say things around them are falling apart. Okay. Well, why are they falling apart? Oh, well, because I've got pressure from my boss that's coming in and, and pressuring me all the time. Okay. Well, why, why is my boss pressuring me? Oh, well, because this thing is in shambles. Then they, okay, well, why is this thing in shambles? Well, because, well, I haven't been doing X, Y, Z. Well, why haven't I been doing X, Y, Z? So on and so forth. So, like, I feel like that has been a really important lesson that I've learned from you, Dad, and something I don't always practice very well, but I feel like it's pretty impactful when it, when it comes to trying to get your mind in the right perspective and the right emotional state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you have to have a certain maturity level to hear that too at times. I think we can't let ourselves get because sometimes we feel like, what did we do wrong? When if, if we do try to explain that, right, and somebody doesn't want to hear it and they still just explode on you just because, again, their perspective is so distorted at the moment because sometimes yeah. they haven't been taught those values and they're not mature enough yet to sit back and listen. Right. They, they've not yet had that moment in their life where it's clicked or their maturity level isn't there where they can hear that yet. So, I mean, the, those those whys are so important. Uh, and I think sometimes, you know, we got to understand that, that some people just don't have the maturity level to even get there at certain times. And, um, you know, I'm not sure how much per, if that has anything to do so much with our conversation today. But, you know, that's just their again, their perspective is they're not able to even see how any of the whys matter. Yeah. Just because oh, Derek, they're so emotional. Derek, you mentioned the word maturity. And to most people, the word maturity is a measurement of getting past childhood and having a more reasonable frame of mind. But you can't ignore that a person's feelings and a person's emotions, regardless of how bizarre or ridiculous they may sound, those feelings and emotions, you have to look at them as being completely valid. No matter how 
crazy somebody's behavior may seem to you, you have to focus and try to reel yourself into the fact that this these are real feelings. These are real emotions. And being such, they're valid. And they should never, ever be in any way ridiculed, condescended. They should be treated like they are important and valid and justified, no matter how wrong they may sound. You know, there there should be no judgment on emotions or feelings. They should be allowed. They should be allowed to play themselves out because that's a process. That's an individual's internal way of dealing with their emotional location at the time. You know, and they have to go through that process. And eventually, hopefully, <laughs> they will reach that point where they've vented enough and then they've been able to sit down regain that balance of perspective, reflect on how they've thought, look forward, and self-evaluation, self-assessment. People don't like to be evaluated. They would prefer to evaluate themselves. And you got to let that happen. I think there's a rabbit hole there, you know, talking about maybe a conversation for another time. But I, I think a lot of us can relate now these days to people's feelings because uh, there's a lot of different people, a lot of different feelings that a lot of people don't want to validate these days. And again, I think that might be a whole nother can of worms to open. But, you know, you're right. You you have to, in order to, for you to be heard at all, you need to hear others. And if you have that level of maturity to know that, let me hear the other person first. Not only is that, you know, a perspective of maturity, it's a perspective of leadership too. Because uh, then you know you're going to get through to that person a little bit better, regardless of their maturity level. You know, you give them the opportunity to talk through things. And many times when someone does talk through something, they start to see their, their perspective on their own. And that's when they realize that their perspective may be off or they need to have a different, more positive look on things, you know, a more a half a glass half full type of perspective. I think if you don't let people talk through it, then you just, you suppress their opinions and then their emotions build up and they'll never be, get through it. So it's, I think that's a fantastic point. You know, we, you got to let people talk those things out. You can help people along with that as well. So like, say if you have somebody that has a glass half empty outlook perspective, right? Using what we talked about earlier, you could ask them, well, why do you see the glass half empty? Get them to, to express their feelings through asking that question. And yeah, well, most, most people who make a mistake or screw up, they're more aware of that mistake or that screw up than anyone else. Yeah. And the last thing they want is for somebody else to point it out. We've all made mistakes. We know when we make our mistakes. We know what the consequences are. We don't need anybody coming and telling us, you know, when you did that, you caused this to happen. Because 99% of the time they know, you know. And, and it just, and you mentioned the word why. And that's a question that you need to ask a lot of times internally for yourself. But when you ask someone else why, why did you say that? Why did you do that? 
why, whatever, you're coming across as somebody who's waiting to judge. Because if somebody asks me, why did you do that? Then I feel like it doesn't matter what I say, they're going to follow it up with some type of judgment. And that's the last thing that anybody who makes a mistake needs. They're fully capable of judging themselves. They don't need any outside judgment. Well, okay. I, I would say my perspective on that is different. I would say that my perspective on that is... Unless you're uh, just trying to learn. <laughs> exactly. It, it would be from... And of course, there would be. it would depend on the situation and the tone of voice and how it's approached. But if it comes from a, a genuine place of curiosity and and wanting to learn why somebody... You know, like if, if, say, for instance, dad, you, you, you view, view it as a glass that's half empty. Well, I would be curious and I would, I would want to know why not so I can hear your response and, and try to condescend you or, or make your belief or your, how your perspective, try to point it out as wrong, but so I can learn your perspective and then take that constructively and learn from your point of view. Yeah. The point I'm trying to make is just be careful with the word why. Because yeah. sometimes if someone's in an emotional location where they're already condemning themselves for a mistake that they made, why it can be a, it can be a mistake. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Yeah. I, I think you, th that why that you're talking about, uh, and, and maybe I can help, you know, sort of, uh, well, I don't know. I don't think I can help, but I, I want to sort of talk about how that can be sometimes a mistake, you know, because sometimes the word why, and I know this is a little different than what we may be talking about, but people, you know, they, they, they'll say often things like, you know, why is this happening to me? You know, they, they, they sometimes if that why is used in the wrong way, it makes people feel powerless. Like, well, why do you even feel that way? Or why is this happening to me? And sometimes it can make people feel, you know, sound like they're a victim almost, you know, why does this happen to me? What is going on here? And, and so whys can be dangerous, but I, I think ultimately they're probably positive because there are the five whys, you know, and, and so I think the whys that are dangerous are probably not inside of those five, you know, whys that we talked about before. But I think it's when people start asking those questions like, why is this happening to me? Why can't things go better for me? Or then if somebody else is asking, right, th this person that, that doesn't really want to tolerate somebody's feelings, they'll say, you know, well, why do you even act that way? You know, why is that your perspective on things? You know, yep. because that, that person will just think, well, that person is just causing more stress in their life. They're just not choosing to have solutions. Right. And this goes back to our major topic perceptions and perspectives and knowing where people are emotionally and not just thinking about your own emotional location, but thinking about theirs and trying your best to try to figure out a way to support that instead of interfering with it. And while we're on the subject of perspective and perception, if you don't mind my slight little right turn here, I wanted to mention something biological if you guys don't mind okay. i'm interested yeah let's do it have you ever been at the end of your day and you're close to going to sleep and you're laying in your bed and all the stresses of the day are just mounting on you and it's overwhelming you and you're feeling almost like you're helpless you can't control it you're in that fml thing and you're just like 
how am I going to get to sleep with all of these worries on my mind about everything, financial, whatever, you know? And eventually you fall asleep. And then when you wake up in the morning and you reflect back on what you were worried about the night before, suddenly it all seems so trivial. What you were worried about before you fell asleep, after you've woken up, you're suddenly like, what the hell was I worried about? I can take care of this with this and this and this. And you suddenly feel a lot better about the previous night's problems. Have either of you ever experienced that? Yeah, I would say I have, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, you know why that is? Uh, I don't know. I feel, feel like may, maybe your just mind is at full capacity. I don't know. It's because your brain needs a break. <laughs> Yeah, that's you know, what I was gonna. I was gonna say maybe lack of sleep, getting to the point where your brain's just kind of telling you like, "Hey, you need to sleep." Yeah, chemically, your mind needs sleep in order to recover, and sometimes all it takes is about a fifteen to thirty, forty-five, maybe one-hour power nap. I've experienced that many times where I was just like, you know, almost in a panic about something. And I will force myself to just take a little power nap, take a cup of Benadryl, you know, whatever, and just take a snooze. Because every single time I wake up from a snooze, whatever I was worried about before, my mind is totally chemically capable of resolving that now without stress. And a little power nap does wonders, and it's chemical. You know, it's biological. And so a lot of times... If you can't find a solution to something, just take a nap. Because when you wake up, you'll be suddenly like, what the hell was I worried about? I so, can fix this with this right now. It's almost you like know? your brain <laughs> needs like a reboot. Yeah, right, it's, exactly. Toddlers are so cranky and crying about everything before they take a nap. And they get up from their nap, they're the best little children that you've ever had. <laughs> yeah, they're totally wired to the end of frazzle. And then their mind has had a chance to recover. You know, all it takes is a little sleep. Sleep is a Im hugely important way of getting through a stress or a dilemma. Keep that in mind. Wow. The power of sleep. <laughs> Since we're on the topic of toddlers and perspective, um, something I jotted down that I wanted to talk to both of you all about. Do, you, do either one of you have like an impactful moment from your childhood that sticks out to you that like you carry with you as an adult that you reflect on at all like something that comes up in your memory a lot as being like an impactful memory whether it was good or bad or happy or sad or whatever i've got plenty i don't know if there are i don't know how many of them i'd be willing to share right now but i've got plenty yeah you know playground stuff you know there's a lot of stuff that happens with kids on playgrounds and uh, there are a lot of things that happen with kids in the classroom. Well, the reason know. the reason why I bring it up is because I just wanted to, to like touch on, you know, what your perspective was back then and then reflect on that impactful moment and then what your perspective is of it today. So good question. Good question. Yeah. Um, well, kids. And I'll give you an example. The first day that I brought you to school, you were. I was taking you to your first kindergarten class. We were living in that little house with a fence around it. And it was your first day of school. And I remember driving you to school. And the whole drive, it was just a short drive, less than a mile. 
And it was one of those dreary, cloudy days. It was misty raining. And um, and I was taking you to school. And you were sitting back there in the back seat. And you had your eyes out the window. You were just sitting there so quietly. And I was thinking back to my first day of school. And how petrified I was. You know, Because here you're dragging your child from the sanctuary of home around mom and dad, the kids and the dog and whatever. And suddenly you're taking this kid to his first day of school and he's riding in the car. He's being obedient. You know, he's being brave, but he doesn't have any idea what he's about to get into. And he has no clue what's waiting on him. And you pull up to this big building and all these kids are all running around and screaming around. I remember looking back at you and you just had this look on your face, looking out the window like, oh, my God, what is he making me do? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I just reflected back to my first day of school and the terror I had on the first day and the obedience that I showed my mom. Okay, mom said, get out, let's go. You got to go out there and get up there. And I, and I just went through the motions. And the whole time I was walking up to the school, I was just like, I'm going to die now. <laughs> 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 and that look on your face as you were looking out the window, I was trying to get inside of your mind and feel what you were feeling. And I could feel it. You know, I was just like, this brave kid is just facing a huge milestone in his life that first day of school and you were just calm and tough but i knew inside you were like what the hell is going to happen to me here <laughs> you know and it's funny because if, if we were to repeat that same scenario if you were to just put me in the back seat of a car and drive me somewhere where there's going to be a big crowd of a bunch of adults like running around and doing stuff i'd probably have the same look on my face <laughs> <laughs> introduction to life buddy <laughs> i'm seriously gonna say something about that mark you would do the same thing today you would feel the exact same way absolutely i am i would be petrified in the back seat i think the only difference would be as an adult i would say i am not getting out of the car <laughs> and then of course after i picked you up at the end of the day you were just like a happy camper because you had a blast you yeah. know, but you yeah. had no idea what you were getting into. But once you got into class and apparently the teacher was really good and made all you kids feel good, you know, and was doing all these things. And a child that age, they're happiest if they have something they can conform to instructions. OK, take your backpack over to the cubby hole and put it in there. OK, come back and get out your pencils and your papers and we're <laughs> going to draw pictures. You know, tell me what to do and I'm happy. You know, yeah, and that's that's the way a child is, and if they can go through their whole day of the first day of school and and get out of there without you know being embarrassed or beaten up, then they're a happy camper. You know, I got to go back to teacher Rick there for just a moment. I like that impression right there. So we have a new we have a new guest on the show, and it's teacher Rick. Yeah, I, I love I love the voiceover <laughs> there. That was perfect. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> The older I get, the more I remember things way back. My short-term memory is gone, you know, but I can remember things from way back vividly. And so that's kind of the fun of this podcast is to explore those memories. Mm -hmm. yeah. how, about, how about you, Derek? Do you have a, an impactful memory of well, I, anything similar? 
Well, yeah, I think I have one, and, and it's really just to keep our conversation going. Um, and it, it offers a, a perspective on um, nature versus nurture. So I, I would love um, uh, to hear what you guys have to, to say on Good this part. But, it, but it's uh, – and, and, I, and I only bring it – I only – and again, this is going to be a very trivial memory. But I, I only relate it to such a deep topic because of uh, the book we're writing here. You know, the book that, that, that Rick's on here writing for us, right? Guiding us through what he would write about. Um, and I would love to hear what he would say on this. So um, my memory is now I was never – I don't feel like I was ever one of those kids that naturally would try to bully somebody away from a toy or from an area on the playground, right? But – the memory that I have was that I was in kindergarten and I was sitting at a little art center, a little, this little bench, two people could have sat there, but it was just me and I was coloring. And these two girls came up both at the same time and pushed me over on off the bench, just pulled me off of it, pushed me over onto the ground. And I remember who they were because they went to that same school the way I did for the next 13, 12, 13 years. So we were we went all through school together. They would probably never remember this, but I did. I did not like them for this. But they pulled me and pushed me off. And I remember hitting the ground. And I remember that that memory became so impactful to me. And I'm like, okay, I've never been one, I don't think, to really bully anybody, but now I feel like I'm less inclined to ever be that person that pushes or bullies somebody because of what I've just went through. So it makes you think, you know, your perspective on thing, which one had more impact on me? Was, was I already going to be somebody who didn't do that to kids? Or was that nature experience or that, that, that nurturing experience of me being pushed, right? What by nature would I, have not really done that or was it that nurturing experience or anti-nurturing of me being pushed down that really caused me to say i'm definitely not going to be doing that to people right and so you know that that sort of becomes like a nature versus nurture thing i think in our memory banks uh so i i want to get that perspective for a minute um from you rick and just say you know what how do you think that that maybe played out Maybe would I have ended up that way anyway, or was my perspective altered by the situation I went through? Allowing the exception of the pathologically insane. <laughs> so, so definitely me. The rest, uh, the rest, yeah. the rest of us, I think, have an inborn sense and appreciation for decency and kindness. And we, therefore, we recognize when that's been violated. And I remember in grade school, we actually had gangs when I was like in the second grade. Because <laughs> we all walked to school about eight blocks. And the little divisions that we had were the guys on the other side of the tracks, the Richies who lived up in the big old nice homes, and then us regular guys. And every time we walked to school, it seemed like there was some kind of a feud going on. And if one group saw another group together, it was almost like, go get them. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was that attitude that all the kids had. And I can remember one time a very close friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, got attacked and he got pinned down by this 
rude buddy who was, I mean, this kid was eight years old, you know, and he was beaten up on another eight-year-old. He had him pinned down and he was just punching him in the face, bloodying his nose, hitting him, had him all pinned down and hitting him. And I was standing there watching this in disbelief, like, I can't believe my friend Jeff is, is dealing with this. And eventually, after about six or seven punches, I didn't even think. I just dove at the guy and knocked him off. And then Jeff, my friend, ran off bleeding and stuff. And then I, you know, I, I wanted to just pin this guy down and beat him up too, you know. But something inside me said, no, that's not the right thing to do. I just witnessed what this guy did to my friend and how my friend suffered. I don't want to do that to him. So I just told him to get out of here and we ran off. And I think internally there is a, I don't know, a measuring stick in our souls that tells us when this can't happen. Mm. And, and I don't, I won't say that it's learned, even though I do think that our experiences in our childhood do teach us what is right and wrong about things like that. But I think internally we possess, unless, like I said, we're pathologically insane. I think internally we possess this measuring stick inside that, that informs us when something isn't right and when to do something. I think so too. And it just begs the question for me is, you know, what would make that kid jump justify to himself that I should jump on this guy and beat him up? You know, what is his perspective on the world? Why does he, is his perspective that he just has to be so cool? Like somebody has to be the leader here. Uh, someone has to do something. So somewhere in his mind, he justified himself to be the one to beat that kid up, right? Your friend. I mean, you know, it is, it's, it's interesting yeah, how it's, they learn behaviors. Yeah. And you never know what this kid's dad was like, you know, mm -hmm. and so many sons are so strongly affected by their father's behavior because they grow up, whether they're abused or not, they grow up seeing this person as, if not an authority figure, someone who they should emulate. You know, it's just natural as you're growing up and you're seeing things, you think this is the way I should be. That's why a lot of young male children who have witnessed their fathers abusing their mothers, a lot of them grow up to do the same thing because it's just it just feels like the right way to behave when they don't know any better. And but when you see compassion and you're exposed to compassion, that kind of sinks in, you know, and then you, when you see something going wrong, the compassion gets to you. Like when I saw my friend and he was just like turning his head, trying to dodge the punches. And I saw him look at me. That's when I instantly said, okay, he's looking to me for help because I was just in the ozone. I was just sitting there. Like I was watching television. Like, is this really happening? You know? And then when he looked at me, I realized, holy crap, I got to do something, you know. And it was just because I knew what it felt like to be the guy on the ground. And, and I didn't like it. I didn't like seeing it. Yeah. I think the last thing that I'll say on, uh, on this topic is there's a quote uh, that I've heard in the past. And it's it's one of my absolute all-time favorite quotes to i think people should teach it to their children i think we should live by it. i think it would create such a better perspective on the world 
And it was recently used in a show that I've been watching as well, and it, it brought it back up to me. And the quote says, be curious, not judgmental. And when you let it sink in, and when you say it, and you think about it, that can change your perspective on so many things and just fundamentally reinforce to you that, you know, it might say the same thing as don't judge a book by its cover or whatever, but it's more than that to me. Being curious is like actually, hey, instead of judging that person, let's ask, hey, what's going on? You know, hey, you know, or hey, do you, have, have you ever done this before? You know, if somebody's bad at something, hey, have you ever done this before? You know, get, get, be curious about the person or the situation, not don't jump to being judgmental. So that's what I would say about that is just be curious, not judgmental. That's excellent, Derek. I think I actually saw a Star Trek Next Generation episode that touched on that exact idea recently. <laughs> Probably had to do with Commander Data. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're right. Curiosity is really the best thing to have when you're dealing with stuff. But I don't like I don't like judgmental on anything. Getting back to our theme, the perspectives and the perceptions. You know, it's like, you guys know I spent a lot of time in the military. And I got a lot of stripes on my sleeve, you know. And while I was in the military with all those stripes, you know, one thing about being in the military with all those stripes is that you're trusted with everything that you say and do is almost like biblical. You know, you're treated like without question, whatever he says goes, you know what I mean? The truth comes out of his mouth and nothing else. And when I left the military and entered civilian life, it took me a little bit to remember that I wasn't wearing those stripes on my sleeve anymore. And the perception that I thought I was walking into in private sector civilian life was totally wrong. I thought, you know, okay, I'm still going to be trusted. If I say something, they're going to believe it. You know what I mean? And I ran into so many circumstances where people were just like, go to hell, asshole. You know what I mean? And, and, and I was just like, ooh. <laughs> and so you got to understand other people's perspectives, their experiences, how they see you, you know, because they are not going to see you the way you see you. You know, that's that ego and that id thing. You know, your ego is how you see yourself and your id is how you want yourself to be and your ego is almost always wrong from other people's perspective there nobody's going to see you the way you see yourself and you got to know that well dad um you know we've, we've been talking for for quite a while on this topic and we could probably like derek said earlier make this a a regular thing where we come back to this and and, and have a conversation around perspective but I think we we've uh, flipped through quite a few pages on this book of perspective, but I I wanted to kind of give you a chance to is is there any any last things that you would like to share about I could write a book on perspective before we close out this book and and put it away on the shelf. I feel like I've probably talked more than I should have, but. Um... No, like I said earlier, I think this is something that could make a series. And uh, 
I'm looking forward to our next topic. Really, this is fun. I enjoyed yeah. it. We had, more than uh, I yeah. thought I would. I was actually a little bit apprehensive about this, you know, because I'm kind of a private guy. I don't like throwing myself out there. But um, mm. it's it was way better than I thought it would be, and you guys made it that way. So thank you. Thank you very yeah. much, Mark. I think you, you, you and I. Um, had a similar feelings. I remember five minutes into our uh, first book that we did here, our first night, it was kind of awkward. It really was yeah. tough for us to get into. And then it was 30 minutes into it and it was just like, wow. And then we finished it and we were antsy to get going again the next week. We, mm-hmm. we actually really enjoyed it. And so I'm, I'm really happy that you said that. And, and I think for me, this, this has been the, probably the most enjoyable one yet and and yes. for me you helped to make it that way too so uh, we we just we're honored that you ended up joining us and uh definitely hope that you'll do it again hey we were just sitting around the campfire having a little chat that's the way it that's should right be. <laughs> and, and uh some would say that our perspectives have changed about doing a podcast that's right. That's absolutely right. <laughs> well, as long as it evolves, you know, where it goes, doesn't matter as long as it goes. Dad, really, really appreciate you. This was definitely my favorite book that we have cracked into so far. I know it's a little corny to say, but thank you very much for getting on here and, and sharing with us. And we will definitely have you on again real soon because I'm sure all of our listeners that are going to hear the finished product are going to enjoy this one because I feel like a lot of people can relate to what we talked talked about today. My favorite part is hearing what you guys have to say. So count me in. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Good night, guys. Good night. Good night. And we'll talk to you soon. Later. Yo, what's up, everybody? Hope you're having a great time listening to the I Could Write a Book podcast. If you want to share your feedback with us, please do so. Um, you can reach out to us on Twitter at ICWBpod. We also have an email address. It's ICWBpodcast at gmail.com. That's ICWBpodcast at gmail.com. We really look forward to hearing from some of you and hopefully getting one of you on the show in the future. So have a great one. See you.